Wake up, NHL fans. It is Wednesday, and this is Morning Cup of Hockey alongside Colby Cohen. I'm Johnny Lazarus. We got a really fun show today that's going to kick off with Colby possibly ranting and yelling at a certain fan base. Won't say who just yet, even though we kind of gave a little bit of a teaser on Twitter. Then we're going to talk about Logan Couture and why he might want to stay in San Jose. We'll get into Gary Bettman's conversation about Winnipeg staying in Winnipeg, the Jets uh, being the team, obviously over there. And uh, we'll talk about Philadelphia versus Tampa Bay last night. So a lot of different things to get into. I do want to thank everyone that chimed in on my personal life. You got to start there. We have to start there. Let's start there. And, and let me just say this. I, I obviously miscalculated yesterday because I mean, there was not one person um, that agreed with, with my sentiment of renting skates. Um, So you know, listen, I was, I I'm wrong. I, I, I'm not wrong for me personally, but wrong for the world. And, and I can accept that because, <laughs> um, you know, that, that day, hey, sometimes you just have to be a little different and it almost came back to bite you in the ass though. My yeah. concern of why, when you're, when you're not driving somewhere, why you would rent it, it, it almost came back to bite you in the ass last, last night. Can we at well, least admit that? Yeah, we can. But I also want to say one thing, too, because, you know, a lot of people chimed in uh, on this whole thing. So the, the, ri- the original conversation was about me bringing my own ice skates to a date last night where I was going ice skating with a girl. And someone commented. And I actually went on a VEASAN show last night and said the same thing because I saw one. I forgot who commented it. And I feel bad because I hate like not crediting people when they make me laugh. But one guy quoted it and said, it's kind of like bringing your own bowling ball and bowling shoes to a bowling date, which I was like, Oh shit. If that's the same, like that's so lame. Like, I don't know if that's comparable, but if that is like, dude, but my, also, my, my when, you're, when you're going on a skating date like that, you're just like holding hands and just inching your way around the ice. You're not like striding it out. And no, like, you want to be comfortable though. Backwards crossovers. But so for me, it was hysterical though. When you texted me and you were like, we're rained out. Now yeah. I, have, you took a ferry to oh, yeah, the I'll explain. Range. I'll explain. Let me explain. So, so I took, I got on the ferry. As soon as I stepped foot on the ferry, it started raining. So I was like, oh no, this can't be good. So obviously, you know, I called the girl I was taking out and I said, hey, not sure if you stepped outside yet. It's raining. I'll go check out the rink and see if it's covered. If it is, let me know if you still want to come. If not, we can audible and go somewhere else. So I get to the rink. It's like a 20, 25 minute ferry. It's downpouring and there's, there's no way we're skating. So now I'm stuck there for like 20, 25 minutes till the next ferry comes because I'm not going to pay for an Uber. It'd be like 60 bucks to get back to my apartment. So I sat at the bar, had a margarita to myself, waited for her to make the new plan. So I was like, my plan backfired. I'll let you pick. She lives in Manhattan. I live in Brooklyn. So it's not like it's that close. Probably like a 30 minute, you know, commute or whatever. So she goes, let's just go to Dave and Buster's. And I'm like, sick. Sounds good. Haven't been there in like 15 years. Let's do it. So I get back on the ferry. I drop my skates off at my apartment. Then I go to the subway, subway up to Times Square, meet her at Dave and Buster's. We hang out for like three hours. And I'm tweeting like kind of like through the night, like what the plan is and whatnot, because there were people invested in what I was doing. So our our friend who does play by play for Nesson for hockey is Tyler Murray texts me and goes, bro, just on Twitter. Are you going to Dave and Buster's in Midtown? I'm at the Knicks game. I'll meet you there. I was like, it's like, what? I'm going on a date. Like, yeah, come. So Tyler shows up with his wife and his friend. So funny. Um, and yeah, it was a great night. Hung out for like three hours. 
Ubered her home, Ubered myself home, and now I'm here. And uh, we have plans to see each other again on Saturday. So it went well. Well, all I'm saying is, is had you not brought your own skates, you could have gone right from the rink to Times Square. And listen, I'm glad it all worked out. Clearly, I was wrong. Clearly, I was wrong. Uh, But, you know, look, to each his own, to, to each his own. I say it's not the skates that make the player. You know, it's the player that makes the skates. But um, I'm glad it all worked out for you. You've been, you know, in a very uh, chipper mood today. Um, yeah. You've been all giggly and everything like that all through our, our pre-production meeting. Um, Kobe, well, Todd Weinberg in the chat said, did you bring your own ski ball set to Dave and Buster's? <laughs> and, and then how about, did you wear your own custom hockey gloves from, from the coach, John Goyens? Um, <laughs> so listen, uh, Jeremiah also playing guilty today. It sounds like, um, had a, had a couple too many last night at the elbow room after he went to, um, Sabres, uh, last night, which actually was a, was a pretty good game. We'll get into that later, but look, I do want to start with, with social media yesterday and <laughs> you know, look, I took it on the chin for the skating thing, which I'm fine. Listen, I I'm happy being the villain. I'm good with it. Okay. I'm <laughs> my way, whether people agree or not. And I respect their way, but I'm still doing it my way. But at the end of the day, I'm happy things worked out for you last night. I I, I really am. I'm, I'm pretty invested in this relationship. I know. Um, it was so funny too. Like Frank tweeted, like really concerned about your date spots or something like see, that. Like you really hooked a lot of people yesterday. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our guy, pizza sports guy, who's already mad at me and he doesn't even know what I'm about to say. He's happy oh, yeah. for you, Johnny too. So look, you're a lovable guy. I say it all the time. You're like a golden retriever. Your tail's always wagging. You're always happy to see people. Uh, you couldn't be, um, you you couldn't be more opposite of me. You know, uh, as our our uh, hack friend from the Washington Post tried to t- tried to point out last week on Twitter with all the mean names he called me. Well, you're kind of mad at me this morning too because what I said to your daughter. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, you don't talk shit to a, a 11 and a half month old kid. I mean, that's, <laughs> I, I, really was, talk shit. I wasn't going to bring that up in case your mom's watching. Cause if she was, she would be pissed at you for that. No, I think um, you should say it. You, you, should say it. you don't swear at an 11 month old <laughs> and you don't, you just don't do that. My wife had to pop back into the frame and, and give you some shit. Um, so anyways, let's go back to social media. Yeah. yeah I yeah. said on the show yesterday, I thought the Islanders should trade Matt Barzell. Um, I don't think it should be off the table. I, I still don't think it should be off the table, but the Islanders fans, they came for me yesterday. They came for me. They came for me in droves. They came for me hard. And listen again, do I think some of them are crazy and insane? Absolutely. Do I respect them sticking up for their guy? Absolutely. This is what makes sports great. Okay. People are very loyal to their players in their own market and then they see everything with rose colored glasses over their eyes. And it's, it's the situation where they can say it, but if an outsider says it, Oh boy. Right. And, and here's the reality for me. Matt Barzell is not an NHL franchise player. He may be the most gifted offensive player on your team in New York, but at the end of the day, um, all of the excuses, it was a defensive system. Well, that defensive system is the only reason you got, a couple, you know, opportunities to play in a conference final, but you weren't ever able to seal the deal with the roster that you had 
Okay, the roster is not improving. They bring in Horvat. It's it's not really paid off that much. I mean, yeah, he's a scorer. Um, and Barzell's numbers have been better. But at the end of the day, to me, Barzell is a guy who has the puck on his stick. It looks pl- pretty. It looks flashy. But I don't see him carrying a team offensively. I don't see him getting to the dirty areas of the ice. Like, I just don't see it. Um, yeah, he's got his, the puck on his stick all the time. He looks great in overtime. He's an all-star. The guy is an all-star. But he, to me, he's not an elite NHL player. He's not in that category of guys who you build a team around. And, and I'm sorry. That's just how I feel about the situation. Agree to disagree all you want. That's totally fine and totally fair. But some of the comments I got yesterday, Johnny, the, the first one, when I started listing off players that I feel are franchise players and I put Charlie McAvoy in there, people were like, oh my God, you're going to say Charlie McAvoy is a franchise player and Matt Barzell's not? What are we talking about here? We're not talking about a skills competition. We're talking about how to build a team around a player who, who plays a style um, that, that, you know, is, is, is going to carry you to, to long-term success. And I can't believe that I even have to argue that Charlie McAvoy is a franchise player compared to, to Matt Barzell. And then unprompted, someone said, you're probably in, in the, in the, the, the group of people that thinks Braden point is a better player than Matt Barzell. Oh, hell yeah, I do. Okay. <laughs> Hell yeah, I think Braden Point is a more effective NHL hockey player. Look, if it was a skills competition, 10 out of 10, Matt Barzell. If I need to win a hockey game, or if I'm Team Canada picking the last spot on that roster, 100% of the time, Braden Point is a way more effective player, way more effective player than Matt Barzell. And then here comes the arguments. Colby, you only played three games in the NHL. You don't know what you're talking about. Okay. But the bloggers and the graph makers who can't skate know more about the game than I do. Yes. You think you're insulting me that I only played three games in the NHL during the regular season. Let me tell you something. You're not. Okay. Every dollar I've made in life, and it's been a pretty good one, has come from the game of hockey. Every single one. Okay, whether I'm playing, whether I'm being hired to be an analyst by the Blackhawks, the Flyers, ESPN, you name it. So let's get that Frank Petrano tweet up. (laughs) You're you're, you're not insulting me by saying I only played a few games and by saying I don't know the game because I had only a few games in the NHL, I guess, training camps and preseasons and division one and playing in the American. None of this stuff matters apparently and i don't know the game of hockey and so if that's your only argument for me do better that is a lazy argument okay that is a lazy chirp find something better for me there because again you're not insulting me with with that type of comment uh just because you don't agree with my point of view on your player and the last thing i want to say and i fell with get i fell um you know, I did this when I worked in Chicago a little bit. You watch the same players every single day. You fall in love with your own players. Okay. You, every market does it. Johnny does it with the Rangers. Islanders fans do it with the Islanders. Every market. This is not when I was working in Chicago, watching the Blackhawks play every single day in the locker room, talking to the guys around traveling, you fall in love with players who are you you make an average player above average you make a good player a great player 
You might make a great player, an elite player in your mind. It's an illusion. You're oh, a homer. Are kind of doing the opposite right now. They kind of hate their players, I feel like. But but again, I'm just letting you know, this is what yeah. happens. You become a homer to your own players. You love them. You fall in love with them. And you see things through rosy colored glasses. And I'm just letting you know, Matt Barzell is not a franchise player. He's not. He might be your best offensive player, but he is not a franchise player. He is not in that elite category of players. He's under it, but he's not in it. Okay, so you can watch this and say Colby Cohen thinks Matt Barzell's not a good hockey player. Never said it. He's an all star and he belongs as an all star, but he's not elite. Okay, and he's not a franchise player. And and that's at the end of the day, just the reality for me. And if you ask people who work in front offices in the NHL, they're going to tell you the exact same thing. Okay, I asked some former players yesterday. I texted around people who work in hockey ops. Listen, maybe I'm crazy. Okay, maybe, uh, you know, I, I just don't. But most people agree. People that work in hockey, people that get paid money to do this for a living agree. And well, and that's it. Okay, that that's the reality today. And if the if the Islander fan base wants to hate me for it, go ahead. Just like the Ranger fan base came for me earlier last week about I don't remember what. Oh, Lafreniere being a hundred point player, more homers, more rosy colored glasses for their own guy. Okay. Falling in love with your players. That's why John Tortorella said, we can't fall in love with people that this is a business. Okay. That's how they look at it because it's easy to fall in love with people. And that's all done? I got. John. Okay. <laughs> I just make sure, but no, I, I have a couple of thoughts about this too, because I think, I think you've definitely been underestimating Matt Barzal a lot this season, this specific season, because he has certainly taken a different leap this year. He's been unbelievable for the Islanders this season. He's been consistent for the most part. He's been shooting the puck for the most part. He's also played a lot of the wing this season, which he hasn't really done in years past. And they've had to try a couple of different things with Matt Barzal and Bo Horvat now that he's locked in long-term. So this has been a different year for Barzal. I think, the potential for him to be considered a franchise player is there. And what I was telling you yesterday is that while he might not be a guy that most NHL teams build Johnny, around, he's played almost 500 games in the NHL. Hey, you, you spoke for five minutes. Can but I I'm get just saying, you're, you're, Can you're, I get a 50 oh, seconds? The, no, the I'm, just, I'm, I'm playing there. devil's advocate. I'm playing devil's advocate here. I'm playing devil's advocate. I told you he's the Islanders franchise player. He, he might not be an NHL franchise player, but this is, you know, the cards the Islanders are dealt now. He signed a very long extension. I think his cap is like 9.1 a year. He's making, I'm pretty sure, until, what is it, 29.30? It's, uh, yeah, till 28.29, making 9.15. And, you know, this is what the Islanders are going to have to do. They're going to have to build around him for the most part. You know, they're not trading him. He, he's been very uh, outspoken about wanting to stay on Long Island. And I also think that you certainly have a love for Braden point that you think he might be underrated, which he probably is because not enough people talk about Braden point. I mean, he is unbelievable, but because he's not as flashy as a guy like Barzell, he probably doesn't get the love that he deserves. Like Braden point, you know, when you're looking at both player stats, Braden point blows Barzell out of the water. Like I agree with you on that. I would never debate. Well, that that's not necessarily true from a stat. You know, point. So? Well, playoff no, numbers, you look listen. at playoff numbers, Braden point is a, it's a playoff fucking guy. 
Listen, he's a and he's got guy. two Stanley Cups. He's had some of the biggest goals during those. That's why I'm saying. Well, you asked, Vic asked, before, you asked Vic before, if there's one roster spot left on Team Canada, it's between Braden Point and Matt Barzal. I agree with you. I'm taking Braden Point on that on that. Any team. day, any yeah. day of the week, if you're picking one player for one spot and those are the two players, Islanders fans are the only ones taking Matt Barzell. No, and, I agree and with you. Look, there are some comments in the chat. Um, while I don't disagree with Colby totally, Nelson is the guy to move over Barzell. When That's what we talked about him. yesterday. That's and I agree. Listen, from. I'm not saying that that you trade him right now at the trade. De- I'm just saying long term, this, this roster has got a problem. There's a speed issue on this roster, okay? They're not offensively gifted enough. And, and again, I know I keep getting this. Like people talk out of both sides of their mouth when they're talking about Barzell. It's like, well, we got to two games from the Stanley Cup over the course of two years. Yeah, because you the, the, the defensive system. And then it's like, well, he's never had players to play with. Listen, I can't go on the what ifs. It's yeah. hard to say, well, what if you switch them from team to team? I have no idea. That's not reality based. Be mad at your general manager then for not surrounding him with who you think is talented enough. But all I can go on is what I've seen over the course of the last six or seven years for two 27-year-old players with 500 games in the NHL. And again, if I'm picking a team, I wonder, like, I, I want to get a GM on here. And, and you know, I know GMs aren't going to talk about other players, so it would yeah. be a moot point. But well, it, to, it's just, to me, it's, again... I'm not talking about his skill, his offensive ability. Barzell is as skilled and as offensive, but I just see a guy who's around the perimeter a lot. Okay. I do. I see a guy that has the puck on his stick a lot. It looks flashy up the ice, but then what, what gets created and, and where's the consistency been with the scoring in his career. And someone said to me, Oh, you're cherry picking stats. No, those weren't cherry picked. Those were literally his career stats. That's all I did. Yeah, I said, yeah. he's played, this is how many years he's played. Here are his stats. Those aren't cherry picked stats. Those are stats. Well, let me ask you a question because when we talk about Matt Barzal, I was trying to think of other players that could be in comparison to this conversation, like maybe players that are their franchise's player, but maybe not a franchise player. Cause this is, you know, all back to our conversation about elite versus not elite and two guys that came to my mind, but we also have one in the chat that I want to read too. But the two guys that I thought of in this category were like a Dylan Larkin and a Philip Forsberg, who, you know, are two great players, very great, impactful players in the NHL. Their teams, you know, have made them the franchise guy for Detroit, for Nashville. But are they franchise players? Are they players you build around? These are, you know, I I, I don't know if they're those guys. They need the supporting cast, right? Like, I, I think there are certain players like a Pasternak who is a franchise player. Like there, there's no, right. doubt. I, well, that, you know? but that's what makes them franchise players. Yes. They're like, yes. they're like starting quarterbacks or start or, or big time goalies. Go ahead. But in the chat too, we have uh, who said it, where is it? I just saw it. Um, one second. Aho is who you want yeah. to ask. Yeah. About. Who no. said it though? I want to shout out the person who said it. State of State survival. Of- State of survival asks, is Sebastian Ajo a franchise player? No, Sebastian Ajo is a very good all-star caliber type of NHL player. Yeah, I agree. Who needs, who, who, who needs if, if you're not going to have a franchise player, you need a bunch of those guys around them, okay? And someone tweeted yesterday, is Jack Eichel a franchise player? Vegas didn't have a franchise player. I would say Alex Petrangelo, okay, is, is a franchise type of player 
from the blue line. I really do. If we're going to call Charlie McAvoy a franchise player, how are you not going to call Alex Petrangelo with two Stanley Cups that he's played incredibly big starring roles in a franchise player? Roman Yossi is a franchise Roman player. Yossi for sure. Okay. Yeah. And not yeah. just because of the point production, okay, because of the way he carries his team night in and night out makes him, you know, that level of player. Um, I'm trying to think I, of like I, the perfect, like who is like right there, but not, not it. How about I, I Mitch Marner? Remember. I don't think Mitch Marner's a franchise player. He's got a hundred no. points. He's a hundred point guy, but he's not a franchise player. Okay. You know, like he, he Austin Matthews is their franchise player, not the Mitch Marner. Four, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so I, I just, I just think, um, and, ooh, and ooh. wait, I think I might have a good one. Uh, Brady Kachuk, because he's been in the he's conversation. A, he's a franchise player. Yeah, absolutely. Th because again, there's more intangibles to a franchise player than just point production. Okay, no, I know. I know. That's why John Goyans, John Goyans, who was a head coach in the Quebec Major Junior League, extremely successful through the midget ranks, Quebec League. Uh, he said, "Don't confuse activity with productivity," and I think that's a good line. When talking about um, Barzell's, there's a lot of activity to his game, yeah. but it's not always super productive. It's not okay. There, there are nights where he he just kind of you know. And again, I I I just think that people are being a little too like you're 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 you've got this like we can make we can make, get our guys, but you can't. You can't have an opinion. If you don't agree with us, you don't know yeah, what you're talking about. Being a fan about. works. And, yeah. and listen, it, it, it's, you know, I just, I couldn't disagree with it all more. And I, I just got to say that, um, okay, so someone just said, Stamkos, Hedman, Kucherov, franchise players, Jules Winfield said that. So look, Hedman is a franchise player. Hedman is a franchise player. Is without a doubt. Kucherov is a franchise player without a doubt. Now, I think Stamkos becomes the interesting um, Johnny is a franchise YouTuber from State of Survival. Um, <laughs> Stamkos becomes yeah. the interesting one because when you look at Stamkos, you know you, you there's more intangibles there. He's the captain, okay? He he he, he, he was he was the franchise player. He was, the and then around. he moved, and then he moved into yes. a more supporting type yes. of role. But is Hedman a franchise player? To, to still it still a franchise player, yeah. okay? And Kucherov is a franchise player. He is. Mm -hmm. There's a completeness to Kucherov's game. Okay. You watch Kucherov when he turns a puck over, watch him go hunt the puck back down. Like after, you know, John Cooper has found a way to, to round out probably the most offensively, purely offensively gifted player in the game of the, in, in hockey. Um, and, you know, I would say there, the proof of that would be, in the all-star game, you know, Kucherov gets picked first and you ask all the players at the all-star game, who's your favorite guy to watch? And they all say Kucherov. Yeah. Um, so, which look, is so I, weird to me because like, to be honest, like I don't love watching him play. I, I don't. Well, you're the only person then who, who I know he is, he is, I mean, he just is so, um, you know, Vassy also a franchise but, player, but honestly, just from like so nonchalant with how he plays. I feel like, it just, it, he makes it look so easy, which is I don't why think he's it's so nonchalant. Good. I don't think it's nonchalant. I, I just Come think playoff that he time, dictates, it's not. He, he dictates the, the pace season, of the game. He, he has the respect factor. Players back away from him. 
Um, nobody wants to end up on the wrong side of a highlight with him. I, I think he just plays the game at his own pace. He's a more, he's the newer Patrick Kane, like Kane was in his absolute prime. Um, mm. Maybe Kane, maybe Kane was never quite at the level of Kucherov, but I'm just saying when you, when you talk pure passer, playmaker, half wall power play situation, like the only guy I've seen who can make the plays like Kane was making all through his prime is Kucherov. And he's continued and continued to do it. So I guess Kane was just like louder, you know, you know what I mean? Well, I think Kane, Kane was kind of the beginning of this wave of, of sort of showtime players and guys who were super creative and, and stuff like that. As the game went from the, you know, the OOs into the team, you know, to the mid OOs, 07, 08, 09, kind of into the, you know, the 2012, 13s, and then, you know, 10 years into where we are. So look, that's just the reality. I, 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 I'll eat the sword on the rental skates. I'm going to continue to, 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 to battle my point. Um, I, I, yesterday was good going back and forth with Islanders fans. By the end of it, I was like, I just, I can't, you know, I, I was like, I gotta, I gotta let this go. Like you, you know, because, because again, the amount of, yeah, but it's, it's well, a huge, go ahead. I, I want to put a, bu- like, I want to put a bow on it by saying, I think, like, and and you're going to, this is just going to feel you more, but if you give Barzell a little bit more of a supporting cast, he okay, can but be Johnny, you're talking player. in hypothetical. I, I know, but I'm saying, I, I, but, but I, I think a lot of uh, areas where you and I disagree is like, yeah, I'm doing the Frank thing. Uh, oh, that was good. A lot of areas. Now I got to like cross my arms. A lot right, of areas no. where you and I disagree is like seeing potential versus what they've already done. Okay, like, but, you, but you're Johnny. a you're a what you're a what have you done for me lately, guy? And I'm like, uh, oh, like this guy could do that, right? Okay, you know? and and that's and where I, a lot of our I, arguments stem from. And I understand that, but yeah. I also you you can't you can't sit here for a guy who's played 500 games in the league and say they could develop into something like 500 no, games. He's already are, like he, he are has what shown you flashes are. of it. He's shown I, flashes listen, of it. I know his rookie year was amazing all nine years ago, whatever. And then he's <laughs> produced with, with very, I get all of it. Yeah. Okay. But again, you're, you're the, the argument of, Oh, if you put him with Kucherov on that power play, he'd have a hundred, like you put me with Kucherov I, on that, that power is play. the most, that's the laziest argument you can make. Those are hypothetical situations. Be mad at Lou Lamarillo. Then not me. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Be mad at him. Not me. I can't, I'm not going to play the hypothetical game. I'm playing the, what is reality game and reality tells me if you have one spot on your team and you're picking between Matt Barzell and Braden point, everyone is picking Braden point. Who's not an Islanders fan. Lou might even pick Braden point over Barzell in that situation, knowing what Lou likes in, in his players and his style. I bet you he'd even take Braden point. Okay. Well, this is uh a good question from, I mean, we could stay on this topic all fucking day, I feel like, but Ethan Haas just said, are you a franchise player at different points in your career, but before you're a veteran McDonough in New York versus McDonough in Tampa? Well, look, his role was different, you know, yeah. and, and, yeah. and, you know, I think, That's I a think, top pair I, think guy to a, I don't to think, a, you know, top listen, I think, yeah. And, and the reality for, for Ryan McDonough is, is another, I mean, look, I think Ryan McDonough has been underrated his entire career. I think his, his imprints are all over those Stanley cups. Um, he's got the leadership quality. I mean, he's one of the best 
defenders we've had play in the NHL the last 20 seasons. Um, uh, Is he a franchise player? I I don't know that that that's a tough one. Probably not in my opinion, to be fair. I think Charlie McAvoy is because I think there's multiple dimensions to his game more, more more than Ryan McDonough. I think he has more to his game, but, but similar in how good they are and how physical they can be and how they're out up a goal down, you know, protecting a lead. I think there was actually more to Ryan McDonough's game offensively than he got to show in Tampa just because that, that just wasn't his role. Loaded. They were loaded. How, yeah. And that's how it works. You get a role and then you got to well, go play that question, role. That's the point of the question. Like, can you be a franchise player at, at one point of your career, but not <laughs> he, another? And he's that's a sports yeah. guy. We need Braden point on morning cup of hockey. Well, we listen, we get Braden yeah. points, a throwback guy. Like he's an old school hockey player who, who likes to burn it. Let's just say this. Without without saying too much about the guy, um, you know, I've been around him. Yeah, he, I, I don't, you know, know him, know him, like, but I've spent some, had some dinners and groups with him, and then some evenings out. Braden Point will burn the candle at both ends, and then he'll show up to his game that next day and have two and one. Um, he's an old school guy who who's not afraid to get out and have some fun and then play a little guilty the next day. I've I've witnessed it between a back to back with the Devils and the Rangers some years ago um, when Kevin Shattenkirk was with that Tampa team. We had a nice little dinner after, then we were off to catch that night. Um, and man, that was a, a long late night. And and he closed that place down and then had a performance at MSG the next day. So love the old school throwback to him as well. Um, so, all right, look, I think let's move into our next topic here, because I think the same question can be asked in, in our next topic. And and the next guy we want to talk about today is Logan Couture and, and some quotes that have been coming out of San Jose. We really don't do a ton of, we don't talk about the, the Cali teams at all. And listen, for good reason, they give us (laughs) nothing to talk about, um, other than your boy, Frankie V, um, Ferraro. And but I think Mario, they, they got to look to move him. He, he's yeah. got some value. They should look to move him. But Logan Couture said, I want to be on the Sharks. I love this place. OK, he's played seven games this year, 34 years old, four years left at eight million. And, and the, the question would be, Johnny, would be, why would he want to stay in, in a place that is as at the infancy of its rebuild? I, well, I think he's been around there when they've had success. Like, I think, you know, Mario said the same thing when I, when, you know, I hung out with him in New York, like those guys want to win there. You know, that is a sports city. Like you have the 49ers who have gone to Super Bowls now the past couple of years. You have the Golden State Warriors who have won NBA championships. Uh, can't really speak much for the Oakland Athletics because I think they're moving to Vegas. But, you know, those guys that have been around the Bay Area have seen what it's like when you win. And I think, you know, when you are there for such a long time, you truly feel that they can get back to that place where they can be winners again. So a guy like Logan Chur, who's been there for over a decade, you know, probably feels some sort of loyalty to that organization, to that city, and wants to do what he can to win there. And, you know, I think that would be the only reason why I think he would say that. His family is probably there. They've made a home there. And it's tough to pick up and move. Like, you know, I can't really speak to it, but... I imagine, you know, as a guy in his, what is he mid thirties by now, Logan Couture, like, you know, I'm sure he he's built a foundation there and doesn't want to pick up and move his family. That's yeah. that's all I would think, you know? Yeah. So, um, You're smiling at something. I don't know what well, I was laughing at some of the things that I saw in the chat, but, um, yeah. what I would say here would be, you know, uh, 
it, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. And, and, you know, I played a lot of hockey as kids with, with Logan Couture. We, we played on the same summer team for years. Uh, we played in a, a, a team that would travel to Europe in the summer. Sometimes um, it's called the East coast selects program. It morphed into like a whole hockey conglomerate for youth hockey. Um, you know, we had a bunch of guys on that team. Sam Gagne played on that team with us. Uh, Shattenkirk was on that team with us. Um, you know, Tavares played some tournaments with us. It was a lot of the guys from, let's say, the the tri-state area and then Ontario was mm-hmm. a lot of our guys. At one point, we even had Angelo Esposito, the kid who was the first round pick for, I think, Pittsburgh. He never panned out, probably flopped worse than I did, to be honest, because he had bigger, uh, bigger expectations. But so I, I knew Logan as as young kids, you know, in our in our, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 year old years. And then we went through the draft process together, the combine, all that stuff. So, you know, look, this is you know, and then we kind of lost touch. And now I, I see him when I'm broadcasting a game, we cross paths, say hello, how's your family? So it's it's surface level. So I can't pretend to know him as an adult, right? But I knew him really well as a young guy. And what I remember was, was that his family was always around. He had great relationships with his siblings. Um, his dad, Chet, great, great guy, was a was a ref in the in the in the NLL for a while, the lacrosse, the indoor lacrosse league. Um, I think he was like one of the, the, the well-known refs and, and, you know, guys in that league. Um, but I just remember the family being a really tight knit family. He's from London, Ontario. And so I, I think the the human element is probably why he, he wants to stay in San Jose. Like yeah. he's comfortable there. He's lived there pretty much his whole career. He did play in the minors in Worcester. I played against him a ton when he was in the AHL. I was in Providence, Worcester. It's 40 minutes away. We'd play him every other weekend. Um, so he he's probably just really comfortable there. And he's had a really good career. He's made upwards of $70 million already. He's got uh, four years left on his deal with a three-team trade list, meaning he could submit the three teams he's willing to go to. So he's got great trade protection and look, he could be doing it for leverage or it just could be the human side of not wanting to go somewhere during the season. Maybe he changes his mind this off season when things are a little more settled, you have time to go find a home to live in, bring your family along. I'm pretty sure he has dogs. I don't think he has kids yet. Or if he does, it's really, really young. Maybe the last time I saw him last year in Chicago, maybe his, his, um, significant other was pregnant. I don't know if it was girlfriend at the time, wife yet. I don't, maybe he was getting married. I can't, I can't remember yeah. the details. The years blend together a little bit. So it, it could be one of those two things, but otherwise, like I'd love to see Logan get out of there. I'd love to see him go play in a place, maybe like Toronto, um, try to win a cup. Not that I think Toronto is a serious, serious cup contender, even though they've played a lot better lately. I mean, that's um, a playoff fucking performer too. But he's been good in the playoffs. He he's he's not a guy who needs to star on your team. He can come in and play on your second or third line. He's got some of the better habits you'll see in a hockey player. He's a two way guy. He's a, he's a captain, so he's a leader. Um, you know, so he has a lot of great qualities, and I think he'd make any team better if they can work something out. Maybe San Jose can eat some of the money. They're not going to be good for a while. The cap's going to continue to go up, make his cap hit a little bit more manageable. He's been injured this year, so that might have a lot to do with with how he's feeling. But it is a unique situation to see a guy who has been in this sort of drowning organization now for a number of years and and would want it's to... It's only been, it's only um, been like four, four years. 
like they continue. were in the conference final, I think in 2019 against, uh, right. But it's been a couple yeah. of really bad seasons now and a yeah. bad season feels like it's four years. I, I live two of them in Chicago. It, it's long. Um, it, it's cold. It's dark. You know, it's, it's hard to see the guys struggle, even though I was, I mean, again, I was on the road with the team quite a bit. It's not fun to watch everybody lose and, and be sad and coaches be in bad moods and trainers. I mean, people want to win. Hockey's about winning. Yeah. Okay. Plain and simple. Number one, winning. That's it. Yeah. So um, in the chat, state of survival. Colby, did you know Chris Walker on Colorado? I was not there at the same time as him in Colorado. Um, so sorry to let you down on that one. So look, uh, it's, it's a unique situation. I think that's something we could ask Frank on Tuesday of next week, what he's hearing about Logan Couture. Um, look, I know Mike Greer is going to have conversations with him. I think Greerzy really respects his players. I know Mike. Well, um, he's a BU guy. We, we trained together in the summers cause he was still playing when I first came in. We had a great group of veterans like him and Hal Gill and Jay Pandolfo around our, our, our off season summer training group, tons of fun, tons of laughs. And, and I know Greerzy really respects the players in this game, having been one for a long time. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's all we got to talk about with Logan Couture, right? Is Jeremiah that- Maxwell, 2019 was five seasons ago. Johnny's not a math guy, Jeremiah. No, no, no. But, but you know, I, I think up until like maybe he does that with years. Lafreniere too. He says no. it was third season, but he's really in his fourth going into his fifth. But up until like two years ago, they were still somewhat competitive. Like they weren't the dumpster fire they are now, you know, well, like they're I, rebuilt. Listen, they're yeah. in a rebuild. They're trying to get Macklin Celebrini. I mean, yeah. that would be, that would be franchise altering to get a guy like Celebrini. So, but their roster two years ago, like they still had Brent Burns. They still had Eric Carlson. Like they weren't, you know, folding it in. Like they, they have the last, Yeah, they change management situations, yeah. coaches, all that stuff. So yeah. um, let's move on because there mm-hmm. were some good games last night that I want to hit on. Um, and, and I, I want to start in Winnipeg, Johnny, where we were treated to a phenomenal hockey game surrounded by a lot of other noise. Okay. Um, Gary Bettman, uh, did a press conference there and I'm paraphrasing, but said, there's nothing to really monitor. Uh, it's not the problem that it's being made out to be. Obviously it's an issue the club is dealing with, but clubs at various times, not just Winnipeg, not just so-called small car, small markets, uh, not just Canadian markets. Sometimes clubs go through peaks and valleys. Uh, the fact that it, the fact is, we know that this is a city that will support and love the Jets. Get over your anxiety and come to the games. Was <laughs> was Gary Bettman's quote, which sounds a little bit like "Sign your paychecks over to me. Work hard for two weeks and give me your paychecks." Um, a little bit of a greedy comment, but overall, Bettman is sitting here saying, "There's really nothing to worry about. This is fully created in the media." Um, and I, here's all I'm going to say about it, Johnny. Yeah. I, I really don't have a, a you know, a, a total ear to Winnipeg. To I've know never been to Winnipeg. On. I don't know. I shit have been about to Winnipeg, Winnipeg a number yeah. of times. Yeah, it's your Wait. favorite. It's your favorite road ring to walk to. I would well because you don't have to go outside. You can there's a there's a there's a pedestrian way, so you can stay inside the whole time. Um, <laughs> but what I would say about it is is that when that building's loud, that when people are there, that building's great. Okay. I've heard the ownership treats players really, really well. Um, and and here's the other thing I would say would be that all 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 I'm thinking here is is after working for the Blackhawks for a couple of years and seeing how it, how it uh, from a staff perspective works from the inside out, what I know is, is they re- no one ever tells the truth. Okay. Like when there's smoke, there's fire. 
All right. Mike Grinnell said that to me yesterday. We were texting about something. He said, where there's smoke, there's fire. They always say that on chicklets. They're not wrong. Okay. They're not wrong. And all I'm going to say here is, is again, everything is a PR spin in sports. It's probably like that in every league. All I know is I just witnessed it with the Blackhawks for two years. Everything is a PR spin. Nothing is ever as it seems. So I don't know. I mean, I would think Winnipeg will 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 go through this peak and valley and be okay. But I also just think that there's a reason we're talking about this. You can't deny that part of it um, at, at all, Johnny. Mm-hmm. And I think Chef Richard in the chat was actually listening to the press conference yesterday. Uh, I know we spoke about him yesterday a little bit. He's a winner. He's a Winnipegger as they call him. And uh, you know, maybe we could talk to him on the side, get his thoughts on it because he caught it firsthand. Um, it'd be interesting to hear from somebody from the area, you know, what they think. I don't know if, uh, well, Chef the, the things that we've seen chat, from but... Chef Richard, he he's told us that it's too expensive. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and listen, it, it's, uh, they've probably been hit hard from COVID, you know, their economy is probably continuing to rebound and rebuild. Um, but at the end of the day, I just think when you see the way that they played last night, like how could you not come out and support this team? I mean, I watched a lot of that game last night and one of my favorite parts of the night was when Shen and Lowry, the two captains on either team dropped the gloves. Like I love watching, you know, two, you know, captains, that's like old school shit. You don't, the captains are the skilled guys now, usually normally, but Lowry and Shen are throwback players. And, and Lowry is a behemoth of a man. Like the first time I was between the benches, Johnny, for a game against Winnipeg where Lowry was playing, I remember being like, holy shit. I never he's realized how big this guy yeah, is. A beast. Normally he has a huge beard. Um, also, I don't fully a- agree that the captains are the skill guys now. There's a lot of old school captains in the NHL. Okay, like who? Jacob Truba, Sean Couturier now with Philly. Um, yeah, but Sean Couturier is is a point producer for the Flyers. Like he's, yeah, but he's I, an I, don't, I, wouldn't, I don't think anyone calls but him a throwback. But he's a throwback. He's, yeah. he's a little bit of a throwback. Yeah, even Marshan in Boston. Kind of Mar- a throwback. Marshy's been putting up shitloads of numbers. But he's still kind career. of a throwback. It's not like they made pasta the captain, you know? Uh, and I, honestly, I thought they would have made Charlie the captain. I, I, that's I, what I he, thought. And he will be the next captain. Yeah, he will be for sure. Okay. So that's fair. So let's yeah. say it's probably 50, yeah. 50. Is that, is that a more fair way to yeah. look at it? Would you say? Yeah. Like John Tavares is not a, a throwback hockey player. No, no, no. Okay. No. Um, you know, uh, Brady Kachuk. You know, but he's still, a, he's still a point producer, but he's throwback. All right. Point. Yeah. You got it. That's fair. I would say 50, 50. I'll give point you that. Good guys. And we could probably go through the list and it might even be more tilted that way. But I just mean like these, like Adam Lowry is not counted on to score points. No. Okay. Most captains in the NHL are point producing guys, even if they're not elite offensive talents, they're point. All those guys you just mentioned are still point major point producers. Anders Lee. Okay. Yes. He is. He's, he's Nico. He he was a first overall pick. So you, you, but, but he's not a fighter, a tough guy, a, 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 a physical force out on the ice. Like Adam Lowry is, you know, Braden Shen is, is, is a physical force throwback who mm. also produces points for his team. So fair enough. You, yeah. you make a good point there. I'll give you that. Um, Thank you. Uh, I, I will give you that, but this was a, <laughs> this was a phenomenal hockey game last night. Kyle Connor, 
He's he's creeping up to 30 goals again this year, and he missed a bunch of time. He got 24 last night. And Sean Monahan, six goals in his last five games. He really has fit in um, quickly and well with that Winnipeg team. And Hellebuck didn't even play last night, and they still get the win. Look, when you have Hellebuck as your goalie and you're getting you're getting wins from your backup, Brossois, as you corrected me <laughs> before the show on. Um, Say that again. Brossois. Okay. <laughs> I, I, uh, I look getting wins from your backup goalies is, is big time. And, and I know Vic is dying right now. The other thing that, that Winnipeg has going for them is Rick bonus is just the guy who everybody will always root for. Cause he's just such a phenomenal human being and, and, and a great coach and he's been around and, and this sort of resurrection at the end of his career back to head coach has, has been a real treat to watch. Um, you know, he, he really has. So, uh, give, give, give the, the, the jets credit last night, yeah. you know, Gary came in and had a, con- a, a press conference and then the jets delivered on their home ice last night. Let me ask you a question. Winnipeg right now, if the playoffs started today, they'd be home against Colorado in a first round series. Do you think they could give Colorado a real, a real shot here? Cause last year we saw Seattle take it to Colorado. Like to me, I've said it all year long. I still think the West runs through Colorado to me, their, their top to bottom skill is the best in the NHL, at least I think on paper, but a team like Winnipeg, a goalie that gets hot, like Connor Hellebuck, man, they beat Colorado on round one. Like they could go on to do some really, really yeah. big things. And, Listen, and that, yeah, Hellebuck versus Georgiev is that's a huge, huge, huge mismatch. mismatch, huge mismatch, huge mismatch. I agree. And like, I can't wait to see Adam Lowry and Sean Monahan. I mean, they're going to grind the abs if, if that were to happen. I mean, that will yeah. be a lot can change. And, you know, people in the chat right now are saying, don't don't sell Brassage short. We're not. We're not. I'm just saying getting wins from your backup is always huge. And I do agree he'll be a starter for someone else next season, which is what John Chan said in the chat. Um, I, I agree with that. And, and Winnipeg's a deep team. Um, as it's Danny May 88 has pointed out, uh, probably the deepest they've been in forever. And I think in a playoff series, you need that depth. Um, you really do. I, I just, I, I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what that team can do. And if they play Colorado, that that'll be must see TV. And I think the fans will be in that building. I do. I think that that small barn and it's not a huge place, but it's nice. It's got anything you'd need. Um, it, it, there's not a lot of bad seats in that building. Um, that'll be a great atmosphere when they get those white towels and, and they do mm-hmm. the white out in Winnipeg. Like that trans that, that comes through on television, which isn't always the case. So yeah. Um, and uh, Chef Richard did did point out that, uh, which I should have actually said, Winnipeg is four games back of Dallas, three games back of Colorado, and they have the best win percentage in the division. So, you know, if you count all that in, they probably, you know, you'd, it'd be safe to say they would be in first in the division right now. Um, so just want to throw we'll that see. out there. We'll see. I mean, listen, I'm not, I don't like to assume, okay? Just like every time you tell me the Sens are so back, they have <laughs> games fine. in hand, and I'm like, you just assume they're going to win those games in hand. And I'm not comparing those two teams. The, by the Sens way. fucking suck. They got outshot 20 to nothing in the third period last night. What a joke. I'm joke. just throwing shade at Johnny for his weekly roller coaster rides with the Sens. Um, joke. Bunch of more games last night. I know you didn't see a lot of games last yeah. night, Johnny, because you were busy uh, 
in the photo like booth at Dave and Buster's playing <laughs> playing skee ball. Sure, that's what we'll call it. But uh, look, I, I had I had a pretty close watch on the Philly Tampa game, at least you know three quarters of it, because I really wanted to see how the Flyers would rebound. You know, every time this year things have started to look like uh, uh this might be their downfall, they might finally do it. Then they go out and they 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 put up a really really big effort. Um, and they did it against Tampa last night where I, I said someone before the game, actually a friend of mine was, was uh, texting me about the flyers. And I said, look, no connect me, no Drysdale, no risk to line in. Um, they bring up Bobby Brink, you know, uh, Sam Erson is, is looking for, for a, a win. They've lost, you know, he's lost his last couple starts and, you know, look, the flyers come out and they take it to Tampa Bay and, and, you know, Vasilevsky didn't play well. Um, you know, I don't know, uh, we, we can show Tyson Forrester's, uh, goal last night, which was the game winner in, in this four to one win. Um, it was pretty through the legs, all in one movement backhand kind of look Claude Giroux esque, but you know, your backhand from there. I mean, that Vassy looked completely caught off guard. Um, he really did. He, he, he wasn't sharp last night. But look, the Flyers put a ton of pressure on them. They had a 1-1 going, you know, into the third. Their their penalty kill was really good last night against, you know, a a scary, scary power play. Um, Just, wow, right over the pad under the block. No, listen, I'm with you. That's one Vassy normally gets. But the only time you really see him or or NHL goalies struggle with those shots are backhands. They're so unpredictable. I don't Um, know, but Vassy is just from watching the past couple of years. And I, you know, I don't have a stat on it. I don't know if there is a stat on it. His blocker side is certainly a weakness. Because I know when the Rangers I so played disagree Tampa, with you, he doesn't have a weakness. You're wrong. I'm saying it is it is his weakness. There's no weakness in his game. I, I would love to find a stat on Vasilevsky's like goal percentage against the blocker side. Like I because I the Rangers when they played Tampa in the playoffs, it felt like every goal the Rangers scored was either high like high blocker or low to the blocker side. They weren't beating him to the glove, they weren't beating him five hole. It was all blocker side. Like I remember yeah. Frank Vetrano, I think we talked about it when Frank was on here. One of my favorite goals that Frank Vitrano scored, he was standing still in the high slot, standing still, flat-footed. His shot is so fucking powerful that he ripped one high blocker on Vasilevsky uh, from the high slot, which I still think is one of the most underrated goals like ever in the NHL. Um, <laughs> Johnny but, Analytics but, is back. Pizza sports guy, our favorite law, our favorite Islander fan, Johnny Analytics. He's one of my favorite guys because he's, he, he, he all, no matter what, if it's against you, he's siding with me. I love that loyalty right there. Loyalty. Um, Never going to his pizza shop again. I don't care uh, if there's next time sauce. I'm going in. Next time I'm in Long Island, I'm going. We're going for multiple meals. But uh, no, I love his pizza. He got, he's got the, the, the Flyers game had a, a little bit of an unusual situation last night, and that takes us to our daily tweet of the night. Um, the Flyers tweeted <laughs> this before the game, you know, and I got to tell you. <laughs> Talk about the all-time backfire on a tweet because bring the electricity happens at 5.01 and then at about 7, <laughs> let's say 15 last night, the power goes out in half the building at the Wells Fargo Center and then they f- they have to tweet this because <laughs> you just see the lights start going out around sections. The broadcast lost a ton of capabilities couldn't have music, couldn't have this. The studio 
team for the Flyers had to go on mic sticks and stand in front of a backdrop and shoot. You know, they couldn't use their studio because they couldn't get the power back. So um, I thought that was pretty funny last night for the Flyers to tweet that and then for it to come back in their face that hard. Um, that that was just very fitting, we'll call it. Yeah, that is pretty funny. And I saw some pictures like on Twitter during the game of like the scoreboard being out. Like, were they playing the game with no scoreboard? How are they? Yeah, I think at times they were just trying because they didn't lose all their power. I think they yeah. just lost some power. They had some other lights they were able to work back on. Mm-hmm. Um, once the game got to like three to one, I was kind of switching back, looking, watching the Leafs game a little bit, the Winnipeg game. Like I was bouncing around last night. Mm-hmm. Um, until like later. And then I kind of stuck with, with uh, Dallas, Colorado for a while, because I just thought that was, was such an interesting game. Um, but let, let's, let's get into that game a little bit, actually, Johnny, the, the Dallas, Colorado game that that game started with its hair on fire last night, two goals in the first three minutes. Um, and then Ottinger makes an insane save on a two on one um, to keep it at, at one, one, just a couple of minutes later. And at the end of the day, though, Colorado's offense just completely overpowered the Dallas defense. There's not a lot Ottinger could do in a game like that. And here's a question that I'm going to ask you here. And, mm-hmm. and I know, again, you were out. You you, yeah. you normally watch. I, I didn't watch. Game. I didn't watch any I, of that game. So just I get to, it. No, I yeah. know. And you're usually really good about that stuff. Um, but um, so. Uh, Dallas's decor, okay. Mm-hmm. Harley, Haskinen, Lindell, Hockenpah, Suter, Har- um, and Hamley. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think they need to go out and make a move defensively. Like, I think their decor is, is not deep enough. Okay. I really do. I don't think you're getting good enough play out of, you know, that bottom four. You know, I know Harley plays up on that top pair with Miro Haskinen. Okay. That's fine. Um, but like, you know, Lindell's gotten a little bit older. I still think he's very serviceable. I really do. Mm. Hawk and pop. Mills Lundquist played pretty good for them. He's been hurt. For, he's been in and out with injuries and he's been inconsistent. Nils Lundquist. He really yeah. has. He's, a little he's, yet to, weak. he's yet to really become a consistent top four defenseman in the NHL. And then you've got Suter has been around and Hanley who, you know, I, I feel like if there's a weakness on Dallas, it's not in goal and it's not up front. I think their decor could use some support. Um, you know, maybe they look, looked at a guy like Tanev. Okay. Maybe, yeah. maybe they, I mean, he would certainly help, you know, add a little bit more uh, juice and kind of two way play, physical play speed. Even I think it's a little bit of a slow defensive core, especially that bottom four. Like, Hey, well, I was going to say like Suter Suter's a step behind. I think like yeah, I last agree. year, last year in the playoffs against Vegas, like, there was a couple of games or a couple of mistakes that he had that, that really cost him. I think, I think back to, and you know, you know me, I, I don't ever like take a jab at players or, and whatnot, but um, game two, Dallas, Vegas, Dallas Listen, has a, it's, it's not taking a jab. If you're yeah, making, but you know what if, I mean. if you're making yeah, I mean. a, a, an observation, listen, these yes. are the best players in the world. They get paid millions and millions of dollars for a reason. It's okay to critique them. Well, I don't okay. want to sound like, I, yeah, I don't want to sound like I'm bashing Ryan Suter. Well, you don't have to play. bash yeah. a guy personally. If you don't like yeah. the way he's playing, it's okay, Johnny. It's okay. Well, pat on the back. Uh, I give you permission, but I don't know if you remember this goal. You, you probably will after I describe it, but game two, uh, Dallas in Vegas, Dallas has full control of that game. Yeah. 
Jack Eichel makes like a great no look pass to Jonathan Marshall in the slot who ties the game late at one. Ryan Suter is just caught puck watching, sleeping. And that goal changed to me. That changed the entire series. If Dallas goes back to home ice with that series tied at one, one, like they could have easily won that series and gone to the Stanley Cup final. Like yeah. Jake Ottinger with the way he was playing. Like, the, oh, wow, Vic, you pull this up way too quick. Ryan Suter right here. He is puck watching the entire time. March Stowe sneaks right behind him, and that ties the game up at one. And then watch at the end. Period. Watch at the end. He gets that little, he gets, he gets cross-checked at the end. Just a little insult, a little, little salt in the wound. Let's see. It, it, we had it on the first look. Right here. After look he, right here. he gets a little lost there. It oh, gets yeah. run into by, uh, by, was it Mark Stone? But look. I'm, uh, one play, yeah. You can't do that in the playoffs. No, margin. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm yeah, agreeing. Yeah. Margin yeah. for error is too small. Okay, as a guy who's been in the league like that, you just can't get caught puck watching like that. Look, from my limited games in the NHL, one thing I learned really quick around the net: you can't puck watch. Okay, mm-hmm. you you can't. Jerome McGinley victimized me on that, uh, and and gave Matt Stage in a goal when we were playing against Calgary, and like I honestly thought I pulled a muscle in my neck from going like that because I, I just got caught puck watching so bad um, in, in that game, but it'll be interesting to see. We'll ask Frank on Tuesday. If, if that's something Dallas is, is, um, is talking about, if that's yeah. something they're, they're looking at, I got to assume it is um, a lot of people like them. This is one of the reasons I just haven't been ready to say, I think they're going to win a Stanley cup. Um, well, they've been skidding as of late too. Their, their last few games have been a little bit inconsistent. And, and listen, this is when things get tight. You know, John Cooper said game 60 to 82. This is where we, we get ready to find out how we're going to be, who we're going to be and how we're going to play in the playoffs. Yeah. So, but, but um, sticking with them, just before you wrap it up, I watched them. They were at the garden last week and uh, Matthew Shane was, was unbelievable. He looked, he looked really good for them and uh, state of survival, put it in the chat. Wyatt Johnson is arguably yeah. one of the most underrated players in the NHL. He right might now. be I mean, the most underrated because he plays a young talent. kid. Plays in Dallas, you don't get as much. He's electric. I actually have a good uh, Wyatt Johnson story too. Last year, you know how I do those like skate like videos where I skate around. I did one with Jason Robert- Robertson last year, and I got to go to the Dallas Stars practice. I was on the ice, and I was just like talking to Wyatt Johnson. I was like, you know, he showed me his stick, and I was seeing what curve he uses and whatnot. And Scott Wedgwood was taking breakaways. And Johnson told me like, dude, go rip one. And I was like, no shit. Like, so I literally got to go like on a breakaway at the end of like a stars practice. It's like me and fucking sweatpants with fans around watching. And I tried to go like behind my back through the legs on Scott Wedge. What he read you're, the whole way. You're, 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 you're lucky. It wasn't uh, like a Lou Lamarillo run team. Oh, well, well I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have even that. been allowed out on the ice. If, if they don't even yeah. let their broadcasters travel with them, they're the only team in the NHL. The Islanders. I don't know why we're going back here, but I, I want, yeah, I want, I want any Islanders fan watching to hear this. They're the only team in the NHL that don't let their broadcast crew travel with the team. Only team in the NHL um, that that doesn't do that. At least, like on the plane and stuff. American teams, because the American teams have like one designated play-by-play and color guy. The Canadian teams have more of a regional situation. Um, and and whoa, 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 what was that word you just said? a regional situation. Oh, okay. I thought, okay. Like, you know, they don't get necessarily the same two guys every single night. They're not like mm-hmm. the, it's, it's, it's a little different in Canada, a little, I think. Um, and there's more games that are on national TV in Canada as well. So I think yeah. that changes it. And, and so that's a Lou Lamarillo thing. He did it in Toronto as well. Um, and, and so like these guys have to like, 
instead of getting to travel to the city that that night with the team, they got to go to the hotel, a hotel. They're not allowed to, to be at the same hotel where you get mm-hmm. a ton of info and you, you, you know, develop good relationships. Then they got to go to the airport the next morning and fly on a, on the commercial flights. Um, it's another thing that Lou does that really pisses me off and, and it's super archaic. Um, but anyways, other games last night, Johnny, yeah, uh, Vegas beats up Toronto. Um, that game was actually a lot tighter than the score for about the first half of that game. I I thought Toronto probably deserved better coming out of the first 20 minutes, but then I think Vegas took it to another gear. What do you go ahead? What do you laugh? No, coach chippy who I love one of the, one of the best, if not the best NHL creators right now, he had a really funny video after the game. Like, uh, he does these Toronto Maple Leaf skits, um, you know, after games and whatnot. And, and his game or his skit, excuse me, was, uh, can't win them all boys. And it's like Sheldon Keefe comes in and is like, the fuck you mean we can't win them all. We just lost a hockey game. And it's like all the Leafs are like happy. Like, Hey, we just won seven in a row. It's okay. You know, like it's, Chief, it's so fun. Chief it's, got it's tossed fun. last night and really? it's funny. Like I saw it and Mike Johnson said on the broadcast, cause I was watching mm-hmm. he, Mike Johnson was between the benches and was like, I cannot believe he just got tossed for that. He was completely calm when he got tossed. Um, and it's funny. I tweeted T- Tim Peel last night and I said to him, is there some lines between dynamic between coach and refs that we maybe people who haven't coached or refed wouldn't know. Like there's the obvious lines that we all understand, but -hmm. then is there the unwritten ones that maybe you would have to be a coach or a ref to know? And I tweeted that to Tim thinking maybe he, he would get back to me and let me, cause I, I thought, Holy shit, that was a soft, soft ejection um, on, on, on Keith last night. Maybe he said something that crossed the line. Yeah, but so he he kind of got angry yeah. and he was barking at him and swearing or whatever, and then he skated away. And then when he came back is when Keith continued to talk to him, but it was very calm. There was no yelling. The cameras were Might, there. Mike Johnson was there. Might have been a father Pat Jackie Moon kind of thing. You know? I listen. I don't know. <laughs> That's why I asked. Um, he said Detroit, SYC. Detroit <laughs> continues to be hot, Johnny. They're playing really good hockey. Um, yeah. They really are. I mean, it, eight this, piece on Washington after we compliment Washington yesterday. You you kind of got to think Iserman is is like thinking, all right, maybe maybe I go out and bring it. I don't think Iserman's going to bring in a rental, but if there's an opportunity to make his team better for the next three years with a guy, I think maybe that's the type of guy Detroit should should go out and look at. Um, not the yeah. rental types. I don't think they're a like Stanley an Anthony Cup Mantha, who they got rid of. I, Anthony Mantha. But he's really struggled, man. I don't know what depends what the price tag. He is. didn't want him there, great. though. No, I know, but it's been a couple yeah. of years, dude. Like you're you're living in the past a little with that one. And I've seen people talk about that. Maybe that reunion works, maybe not. Um people love reunions. Our guy Jeremiah was at the Buffalo uh Panthers game last night. Panthers won again. There was some there was some juice in this game. I know people are are talking a lot about that Nick Cousins clip. He really, man, I mean, this guy is is really being super freaking ratty the way that he's playing. I mean, you see the confrontation in front of the net. Greenway gives him a forearm shiver, and then he acts like he's dead, okay? And then all of a sudden, I guess he's Wolverine now, and he's totally fine 10 seconds later, and he goes up and he grabs someone from behind. Like, dude, if you're hurt, then be hurt. But if you're not hurt, get the fuck up. Are you kidding well, me? I thought... Yeah, we talked about this a little bit before we hopped on the show. I thought 
he may have thought that Greenway tried to kick him. If you watch this video again, when Cousins is down, Greenway is wrapped up, but his right leg, it looks like, you know, maybe, I mean, that's a pretty bad look if you really Honey, slow his it down. Other foot, he's falling I know, over. I know, I know. But Nick Cousins doesn't Stop know that. Stop creating a narrative that's fake. I'm Don't not be part creating of anything. Establishment. Nick Cousins doesn't know that, so he probably thinks he got kicked, and that's why he gets up the way he did. He's not looking to see if Greenway's falling down. I'm just saying that that would be my reaction if I were in that position. I would think this fucking guy just kicked me, and then I would pop back up, Someone, no matter how hurt I was. Matt, Matt Rempe needs to teach this uh, Nick Cousins a, a little bit of a lesson. Actually, he maybe would, Matthew Olivier, who's an even bigger heavy than clearly because he beat the shit out of Rempe. Um, I'm gonna have my phone. I'm doing. I'm in. I'm ISO camming Rempe all warm up tonight at the Garden. <laughs> okay. Um, Let's uh, let's hit hit these last couple of games. Arizona continues to slide 13 in a row. They're going to have to start moving some pieces. Um, you know, they, they're 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 looking like they're trying to get back in that Macklin Celebrini sweepstakes the way they're playing. Um, Ottawa Senators, man, four to one against Nashville. Nashville continues to play well. Um, there, they that said yesterday, Nashville, back. we will not trade Soros while we were in a while we are in a playoff spot. So I wonder That'd if that, something. I wonder if that uh, puts a little, maybe a little damper on on Fitzy's parade in in New Jersey. Who you got to think is 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 looking at a guy like Soros, um, who who could be the difference maker for them. Um, and then the last couple games, Johnny, the last one I want to hit on LA Calgary. Okay. You don't want to talk about Vancouver Pitt. I mean, that's the only game I watched. Oh, sorry. I, that's right. I had that. Yeah. I had that written down at the end, yeah. but LA Calgary four to two Calgary. Okay. LA man. They just continue to be one up one down lifeless hockey team. I have very little faith. LA is doing anything in the playoffs at this point. Yeah. Uh, we, we talked on the show yesterday. Their, their goaltending situation is a problem. Um, I see a lot of people thinking Calgary are going to make the playoffs now. Um, I just think Calgary is going to sell too many important pieces in the next two weeks that um, I just think they're, they're ultimately not going to have enough to make it, but they've got a better record than Vancouver since they made that Elias Lindholm trade. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so uh, Markstrom's been playing really well too, though. Like he's been, he's been unbelievable for them this year. Unbelievable. He, he has. Um, Pitt van. That was a late game. Huge two points. I think you said you actually got home and caught this game, right? Yeah. I got home with about like 15 minutes left in the third. I saw Lars Eller tie the game up um, with about like 10 minutes left. And I saw Carlson's overtime winner and they were, they were that overtime had a great start to it. It was only like two minutes long, I think because Pittsburgh scored pretty early, but man, that was a uh, like playoff style hockey. that The Penguins were playing last night. Like they actually looked desperate. They played with a lot of urgency and, uh, you know, they were a team that we've been counting out now for the past couple of weeks, but you know, they, they still have the talent in that room to figure it out and, and make a push for the playoffs, but it's just been way too inconsistent for them all year long. But last yeah, night they looked really strong. Well, they came back from two, nothing. Then they yeah. came back from three, two. So that's, that's a win. You can rally around Carlson scores a goal in overtime where he's looked a little disinterested as of late. Um, so we'll see. I mean, look, next week will be, will be an interesting week to see if, if it things, Every year when we think the trade line's gonna trade deadline's gonna be crazy, it's not. When we think it's not, it might be. Hopefully, this is one of those years. Um, so we'll see. Uh, last couple of things today, Johnny. Two games tonight: Columbus versus New York. We know you'll be watching. Will we see round two? Matthew Olivier, Matthew Rempe. Um, Probably. St. Louis, Edmonton. You know, Edmonton. They need. They need to. 
get the, the the train rolling back on the tracks. They really do. I know they won their last game, um, but they 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 got to go. And then the last question John Chan asked is, where is Hannafin going at the trade deadline? If I'm going to make one guess, I'm just saying Tampa. I just yeah, think, I think Tampa too. I think Tampa will continue to try to go all in, and I think he's a difference maker. So that's just a guess. I have no idea. Um, that's more of a Frank question than a me question. But uh, I think that's it today, Johnny. I know yeah. you. Uh, you got places to be, people to talk to. We've we've gone a little long here today, but it's been fun. It's uh, it feels like it's been a while since it's just been us two. Um, even though, no, did we have a guest on Monday? We did, right? Yeah, we had Bruce Boudreau. Um, but yeah, tomorrow I think we we might be having a guest as well. So we'll see uh, what we do there. Only two games tonight, like you mentioned. So not too much to watch, but I'm sure there'll be more storylines that come out and whatnot. Just keep your eye on Matt Repia tonight. That's that's what I would say because you know this guy has become an overnight sensation over the last ten days. I was at the Rangers practice yesterday, and it seemed like there was you know five times the amount of media members that there are at a typical practice. So. Uh, a lot of attention on him and he's been handling it well. He had a great quote yesterday talking about how he ate at Cheesecake Factory two nights ago and was taking a lot of pictures with fans and whatnot. So this kid's a rock star, um, you know, great personality and uh, he's been fun to watch. But uh, great show today. Thank you to everyone in the chat. Thank you to everyone who gave me the dating advice over the last two days. Uh, nothing to report back, at least tonight. So um, if, you know, if we'll, they get married, we'll live stream his wedding. Yeah, we'll, we'll on the that. On the Daily Face Off YouTube. But um, thank you to our producer, Vic. Have a great day, everybody, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.